the Lord this morning and um, I feel like there's a holding back so look you know this altar we got plenty of room we need some people to come up that are passionate for Jesus and we got to go after him listen you don't hold back in this hour God come and bless me no bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name so let's worship the king he's worthy of all of our worship let's go after him all right, guys, go for it.
He is the ineffable YHVH, the I am that I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my rear guard, my exceeding great reward, my sword and fortress El, Eloah, El Shaddai, Adonai, I'm talking about the most high God, Yahweh Elohim, my shield strength king, majesty, my defense, the self-existent, all-knowing, omnipotent, excellent, he is head, radiant, the rock of Israel in the ancient of days, Hashem, the name, eternally faithful and the Lord of all. He's wonderful, my stronghold, my song, my portion, the door, the horn, my refuge, my hiding place, the lover of mercy and the giver of grace, Theos, the everlasting father, the potter, his jealous love burns in all-consuming fire, the scepter, the holy one. God is love. He is preeminent, the only begotten son. 
the king of the Jews, Yeshua HaMashiach, born of David's lineage and the firstborn among many brethren. My salvation, the desire of all nations, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, the living word, my way maker, kinsman, redeemer, healer. Hair like wool, eyes like fire, his tongue cuts a two-edged sword and voice like many waters. God's love poured out 100% obedient to the Father. He's my intercessor. He was numbered among transgressors. He's the Lion of Judah, the ruler of the kings on earth. The word made flesh mar beyond human semblance and through this became my righteousness and advocate Emmanuel. My beautiful example, the rock of ages and sure foundation. The living stone, the tried stone, the stone cut with no hands and the stone with seven eyes. The lover of my soul and my delight, the way, the truth, and the light, Messiah, the Christ. The bread of life, the atoning sacrifice, my faithful witness ascended to the right hand of the Father forever making intercession. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The amen abolished death holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. My potentate, propitiation physician, prince of peace, prophet, priest from the order of Melchizedek. He's my righteousness. Who was, who is, and who is to come. The Almighty brought life and immortality in Nazarene. Dayspring mediator, ransom branch, and bridegroom the root. Jesus is that dude, the first fruit. Deliverer, governor, teacher, savior, master. He is the Ruah HaKadesh, the very breath of life. The oil, the fire, the wind, the wine, the spirit of truth and might makes my soul come alive. The power of the Most High. The spirit of wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and the fear of the Lord, the revealer of mysteries, the guarantee of our inheritance, the deposit, comforter, teacher, gift, friend, the adoption, the enabling grace for supplication, the resurrection, he's a person. Opens my eyes and ears to the word, then applies them to my heart. He's the keeper of my soul, the lifter of my head, the source, the all-encompassing vortex. Walks with us in cadence, gives identity, eternity that sits on the throne of my heart. The ark, paraclete, Christ in me, the hope of glory, my ever-present help in a time of need. He's my everything. And he says that we are. The joy set before him, the firstborn of the dead, predestined to be heirs with him, seated with Jesus in heavenly places, accepted the one Jesus loves, a royal priesthood and king forgiven, hidden in him a new creation without condemnation, you said we're your reflection, a pure stream flowing from snowy peaks, redeemed complete, dark yet lovely, a member of your body, your tabernacle, your bride. You said that I've ravished your heart with one look from my eyes And you said the fruit of my lips is like wine And you long to hear me speak But you spoke to me Look away Your eyes are overwhelming Isn't that wonderful? Where were you yesterday? I taught on the names of God. Wow. Oh, he's all of that and more. Listen, you'll never be able to put all the titles of Jesus. Uh, you know, I love when we walked in the day they were singing about uh, uh, it's finished. And you know, that's what Jesus said upon the cross. Aren't you glad he didn't say, I'm finished? He said, it's finished. 
And it's a Greek word that means everything that should have been done is totally done. Nothing's left undone that needed to be done. Say complete. We are complete in him. And Jonathan, that was wonderful. Now, what happened one time? This gentleman over here brought him in front of me and he said, uh, you think there's any hope for this guy? I said, oh, yeah. Isn't that, is that true? That's true. This is Carolyn. How are you doing? I didn't doing? want to say anything. Well, you do now. I do. Just talk right here into this microphone. Okay. All right. Concerning Jonathan, you uh-huh. know, a dread champion, and he's just a prototype of yeah. what the Lord has. And Jonathan, what a wonderful gift the Lord has placed on yeah. your life, as well as other people. And we are blessed. If we didn't hear anything else here today, I mean, that's the word of the Lord. Big Woo, time yeah. Supernatural, and, you know. And that's how the Lord can just connect us. And I just thought about the dread champions. And I feel like we that are older, Jonathan, are to serve young men such as yourself. Yes. And of what it's taken us many years to learn, the Lord has given you a platform. People will listen to you. They wouldn't listen to Bobby. Yes. No, because, I mean, the Holy Spirit and your generation. So that was just one of the most awesome things that yes. we've heard. And, and we love you. Don't even know you, but we love yeah. you. We love your gift. Yeah. Bless you, Jonathan. Good. Thank you. Here's, here's what I think we should do, honestly, if it's okay with you. I think we ought to receive a love offering for this young man and maybe a gift of some money. to. I'd like for him to put that on a DVD or something and, and make it available uh, on YouTube and all of that, all that other garbage out there. People need to see. There's young people that are sold out, sold in to Jesus Christ. So let's do that, if you will. Is that okay with you, Pastor? Uh, and I promise you, every penny that goes in here, it'll go to Jonathan, and then Jonathan, use, Jonathan, Jonathan can use it uh, in a wonderful way. Oh, man. I, you know... Bob Jones used to rap. You remember him? Oh, man. He'd be a rapping and, yeah, come on down here. Just listen. So into these young champions. Good. That's wonderful. Yeah, good. Now, see, he never asked for anything like this. It's embarrassing to him. But I'll tell you, the Bible said a servant's worthy of his hire. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank the Lord. God loves what kind of a giver? A cheerful and prompt to do giver. All right. Okie dokie. Good. Come on. If you, if, you, if you need to, just bring it on. Uh, that'll be fun. Isn't that good? Yeah. I was in jail when I was his age, you know. Yeah. <laughs> See, and he's been packing in the Word of God. You can't do that just normal. You understand that? That's supernatural. That's the Holy Ghost flowing in and through him. And I'm I'm so excited. I'll tell you what, uh, there's some young people out here that are amazing. They they do not know the word, I can't. They've understood, I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with power. And we've got to do that. We've got to get rid of this thing. Here's what the Lord told me. He said, you tell my people, accept no imitation, then they can, ex- they can expect no limitation. Now, what is an imitation? It's a fake. It's a phony. It's a, uh, uh, it's a counterfeit. He said, do away with those. He said, accept no imitation, expect no limitation. I tell you, within every one of us is a potential we've yet to understand. We can do all things. Jesus meant it when he said, these works that I do and what? 
Greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father and send back the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you guys, that's wonderful. Thank you for uh, responding to the offering. I'm so thankful. Aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Lord, we bless you. You are a good, good God. Thank you that you raise up voices and you're just wonderful and marvelous. We, we give you glory for what you're going to do in this service today, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for letting us live in your world in a day like this. Most decisive days in human history and you've let us live. That's what I asked the Lord one time. The, the, you're, you and I are living in the most decisive days in human history. We're coming to the end of the ages. And he could have chosen anybody to live during this period of time, but he chose us. So I said to him, what are you thinking? That's what I said. It's the most crucial time in human history, and here we are at the helm. And I go, what are you thinking? And he answered me just like that. He said, yep, I finally found me a people weak enough to work in. What? Weak enough to work in. Not weak in character, not weak in integrity, not weak in morals, but weak in our own ability. He said, I have found me a generation that's embraced John 15, 5. John 15, 5 says, without me, you can't do anything. But with him, in him, through him, by him, we're unstoppable. We're invincible. We can't be conquered. I'll tell you what, so that's why we're in this thing. He, it's because of our weakness. Isn't that something? Remember what Zechariah said? It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. You can't do anything beneficial for the kingdom without the spirit of God. But in the Spirit of God, you can do everything that needs to be done. Isn't that wonderful? Well, we're, just, we're delighted. Thank you so much, Pastor, for having us in our school and having us here in the church. We announced we're, the next school we do here, we're going to do on the seven spirits of God. Well, I remember years ago in a Baptist church, I preached about the seven eyes of God. Oh, man, I might as well have been talking Martian in a Southern Baptist church. You know, they were sure, well, he, he's off on something, you know, but... Uh, we need, the only time you've ever seen the full, whole sevenfold spirit of God functioning is in Jesus Christ. But God wants us to become Christ-like. As my Father sent me, I'm sending you. And we've got to replicate Jesus Christ. We've got to be like him. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Oh, we've got to get that opinion. We've got to understand, for me to live is Christ. We're supposed to be representing him, representing him. Don't you think? Yeah, people are to look at us and see Jesus. Wow. I want him to hack off, rub off, erase anything that don't look like him. Don't you? Remember he said, he, every, he'll prune us. I want him to lop off every limb that don't look like Jesus. Don't you? I want him to, to make us into the image of Christ. Colossians 1.15 says Christ is what? Christ is the express image of the invisible God. Wow. That's pretty wild, isn't it? Colossians uh, Colossians one. 13 says he takes us out of darkness and puts us into light. Colossians 1.15 says Christ is the express image of the invisible God. Now, wait a minute. What does invisible mean? Somebody help me. Can't see it. You can't see God till you see him in the form he chooses to reveal himself. And you will have a son and you will name him Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God seeable, tangible, touchable with us. Isn't that something? Wow. No wonder Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Isn't that amazing? That's why we've got to get more and more of Jesus. Because we, we've got to know more about God. We really, really have. So that's the subject title this morning. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be teaching some out of chapter 2 in this book, Sonship. 
Chapter 2, here's what it deals with. I'll read it to you. Developing divine discernment. If the body of Christ needs anything, we need a clearer, more precise discernment. We need to know what's going on. We ought to have that anointing of the sons of Issachar. It said they had understanding of the times to know what the people of God should be committing themselves to. And so we, we're going to talk about developing uh, discernment, increasing spiritual sensitivity and perception. You believe we need it? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, God writes in the book of Hosea. God wants us to fill our hearts full of the Word of God so we'll have answers for these dark days. And we'll have, we'll have God's will and God's Word in our heart, and we won't have to go, oh, I don't know. Now, listen, the whole world is looking to the church for answers, and we better have them. And the whole answers are in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ is stored up all the wisdom of God. And you and I are complete in him. Whoa, isn't that something? It says in the book of Colossians, it says, It pleased the Father that the fullness... I'm talking fast. It pleased the Father that the fullness of deity would dwell in Jesus Christ bodily. That's what it says. Uh, it pleased the Father. Now, you say, well, every, every, you know, no, no, everybody doesn't know that. We're living in a time, you just saw a young champion displaying the Spirit of God. We're living in a time when some of these young champions are so overboard, they think they've got to go out into space and get an alien anointing. Isn't that crazy? That is absolutely lunatic. But people are falling, falling prey to such crap as that. Excuse me. <laughs> but it's worse than that, isn't it? Listen, and I tell them, you can't get any deeper than Jesus Christ. It pleased the Father that the fullness, say fullness, the fullness of deity would dwell in Jesus Christ bodily. And it says permanently. Isn't that something? What I'm trying to say to every one of us, get into Jesus. You can't get deeper than Jesus. Well, you know, there's some of these going to, you know, kind of like yoga, get all the chakras together. Listen, get out of that mess. You can't get anything from God in that. You can get a demon. We need to understand in his presence uh, now, I'm all in for this soaking, but I'm kind of sick of soaking. We better get up and get serving. You know what I mean? You know, listen, I'm all for some of that, but listen, why soak if you're not going to go out and ring out? You know what I mean? Why get saturated if you're just going to soak? Do you understand that? I'm, I'm, well, okay, here we go. Um, Developing divine discernment, increasing spiritual sensitivity. Why do we need it? Hebrews 5.11 says, okay, I'll just read Hebrews 5.11. Y'all ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty excited today. I get so excited I could thread a sewing machine it running. <laughs> hey! You know. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me find Hebrews 5. Y'all ready? Say yes. yes. Hebrews 5. Why do we need discernment? Here we go, Hebrews 5, start with verse 11. Concerning this, we have much to say, which is hard to explain, since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful in achieving, uh, achieving spiritual insights. Woo! I say from that verse, we need some discernment, don't you think? Why? This is Hebrews 5, verse 11, Amplified Classic. Concerning these things, we have much to say, which is hard to explain, since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful in achieving spiritual insights. Verse 12, for even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need someone to teach you over again the first principles of God. 
God's word. You have come to need milk and not solid food. Wow. We better grow up some, hadn't we? Next verse, verse 13 says, For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of the righteousness and conformity to the divine will and purpose. Though and through action he is merely an infant. Wow! Don't you think it's time to grow up? You know, milk's okay for babies. They need it. Carolyn sent me when we, we, when we had our first child. Oh, Lord. Carolyn sent me to town to get some uh, formula, and I was, I was excited about it. So I, I go to the, the store, and uh, I said to the lady, I want to buy a case of, uh, of uh, shellac. She said, uh, sir, what are you painting? I said, painting? I'm not painting nothing. We got a new baby. And she said, you mean Similac. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. When the boy got born, I ran to town, bought him a stuffed dog and a BB gun. You know? Oh, man. Ooh. Anyway. But, see, he started out on milk, but you've got to move to meat. You believe it? The Bible wants us to move to meat. You can read Hebrews. I, I don't want to be dull of hearing. Do you? I don't want my heart cold and callous. So we need discernment. Say discernment. Here we go. Let me find it. Now, okay, where do we get discernment? The Bible says this. We ought to be so close to God. This is Proverbs, this is Psalms 32.8. We should be so close to God, God can guide us with his eye. Now, here, here's a wonderful thing. The Bible says that, God, I'll give you the verse. Here it is. It's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 20. Chapter 20, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. It says, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, both of these God has created. He's given us everything we need to function if we'll give it back to him and let him sanctify it. You believe that? Having eyes to see, they see not. Having ears to hear, they hear not. That's what it says in the Bible. He gives you what you need, but if you don't give it back to him to sanctify it, the world will use it and corrupt you. You believe that? Oh, well, I'm telling you guys, well, I'm, I'm screaming again. But here's what it says in Matthew. Matthew 13 to 16. It says, blessed are your eyes for they see and blessed are your ears for they hear. You ought to read that in the Amplified. It, it, it gets really, really good. It says, many long to see what you see. Many deeply desired to hear what you hear. But to them, it was not permitted. You and I, living in the end of the age, we're, we're privy to information and insights and revelatory things that others couldn't see. According to the Bible, that's really true, isn't it? It says, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, both of these God has created. Proverbs 20, verse 12. What verse was that? Proverbs 20, verse 12. Yeah, I'm just checking on you. Y'all like this guy singing, old Jonathan? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bob Jones, bless his heart. He and I got invited up to a, uh, uh, out, out there in Dallas. And at that time, that's where uh, the, the richest people uh, lived, the football players and all, and their kids. At that time, that part of Texas had the highest suicide rate among teenagers. So we, they, they leased the top of the Galleria Mall. Uh, for me and Bob Jones to go. And it, it, they brought those kids in in limos and helicopters. It was the craziest thing you've ever seen. And so we get there and here's all these kids on the top of this Galleria Mall. They all come from extremely wealthy families. And me and Bob Jones is up there to teach them about life. Good Lord. Bob gets up and starts one of his rapping. And, and, and now here's all these kids. They've seen everything. 
They've been all over the world. They, they've got, they've, you know, anything. And Bob gets up and he's got his, his regular attire on, you know, uh, a sweatshirt and some uh, uh, filling station pants. <laughs> and he starts with these kids. And he goes, Thus saith God to me concerning thee. Yeah, that was his reaction. And these kids, at first, they thought this is some kind of a sideshow. And then the Holy Ghost fell. Bob's up there uh, rubbing and rapping. Thus saith thee to me. And whoom, the Holy Ghost comes in there and knocks these kids down. I'll tell you, we stayed there till nearly two in the morning dealing with these kids that had seen it all, but they had never felt the presence of God. See, it's time to move from milk to meat, isn't it? Because Hebrews uh, 6, 1 says, we cannot continue to lay the elementary rudimentary principles of Christianity. It says we got to go on into deeper things, don't you think? Sure, we need the elementary rudimentary principles of Christianity, but we got to go into the deeper things. Don't, do you believe there's deeper things? Whoa, listen. Here's what I found out. I found out the more you know, the more you realize you barely know God. So anyway, we're talking about, it. God said it's, we, we need to have these eyes to see and ears to hear. And Jesus said, don't build your life on a, on a faulty foundation. You've, you've heard the story, Matthew 7, 24. And it talks about if you build it on man's principles, man's ways, uh, it'll fall. But if you build it on the eternal, steadfast word of God, your house will stand. And I'll tell you what, we're going to go into some shaking times. Said everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Only thing that can't be shaken is what he's built. Don't you want to make sure your house is stable? Listen, guys, you saw, oh, man, I got, I'm sure. No, you're not sure if you're not building your life on the Word of God. The only sure foundation is the Word of God. The flowers fade, the, the grass withers, but the Word of God will what? Stand. What is the Word of God? The Word of God is not print on parchment, I'll guarantee you that. The Word of God is the person of Jesus. You remember John 1 said, and the Word became flesh and did what? Tabernacled and lived among us and we beheld the glory. What are we looking for? This invisible God. We beheld the glory of God. Wow. If you're going to see the glory of God, you have to see it in Jesus, don't you think? All right. Let me read that. I'll just take time to read Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. This is Jesus talking, read in the red part of the Bible. Don't you like that? Here it is. So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man who builds his, builds his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods and the torments came, torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. Uh, yet it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish or stupid person. Woo. I don't want to be foolish and stupid thinking I'm wise and build my house on man's precepts instead of God's promises. What do you think? A foolish, stupid man who builds his house on the sand and the rains fell and the floods came and the torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great was the complete fall of this. When Jesus had finished speaking those words on the mountain, the crowds were astonished and overwhelmed at his teachings for he was teaching them as one who had authority to teach entirely on his own volition and not as the scribes who relied on others to confirm their authority. Wow. He's just simply saying there, don't let man try to teach you. Get with God and let him teach you what is really true. And boy, it's, it's really, the Bible said you have no need that man teach you. You have an unction inside of you that, and you know all things. That's what it says. 
Now, we do need guides and teachers. We know that. But inside of us is a major teacher. We've got to depend on him. Oh, man, when you run into a verse you, can't, you don't know what it says, ask the Holy Ghost to show me what this means. Uh, you know, it's okay. I'm, I'm staying with this. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people, the people of God are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Wow. Here's what God told me once. He said, uh, knowledge without wisdom is worthless. You can get knowledge through Google. Knowledge, through, knowledge without wisdom is worthless. He said, but knowledge with wisdom is priceless. So we need knowledge, but we need wisdom, don't we? You can get knowledge from a college, but you can't get wisdom from one source. Who? Jesus. How do, how do you get the wisdom of God? First of all, you have to have the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we're raising up a people that know nothing about the fear of God. This hyper-grace message excuses us from having the fear of God. Well, I'll tell you what, our God is a consuming fire. I won't tell you, God told me, he said, you better tell the people I'm not near as easy to get along with this as some preachers have made me out to be. Well, yeah, okay. It is, it is as we obey the word of God that our lives are built and established on the solid rock of Christ. So that's what I want us to do. Don't you say yes, Bobby. All right. Now, how do we do that? It's John chapter 16, verse 13. This is where Jesus begins to talk about our absolute dependency upon the Holy Ghost. Oh, listen to this. This is Jesus talking about Holy Ghost. And it's John 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth, for he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are going to come that will happen in the future. It is so sad when Christians dial this one $900 demon, the psychics. Oh, well, I wanted to know what's the economy going to be. You can't get the future from a psychic. You can get a demon, but you can't get the future. This, the Bible right there said, Jesus' teaching said, the Holy Ghost will tell you what's in the future. Let me read that again. This is straight out of the Bible. Uh, yeah, okay. It says, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost is not up there going, I don't know what God's going to do. No, he's fully acquainted. He knows everything God's going to do. He knows the end from the beginning. I'll tell you what, just to be honest, if you study the Bible, God teaches that he already finished it before he ever begun it. Right. Woo! Aren't you glad God's not up there going, never saw that coming. <laughs> I wouldn't trust a God like that. He's, he's author and finisher. He really is. Now, here, here's a, I've always loved Nehemiah 9.20. He gave his good spirit to instruct them and withheld not his manna from their mouth. Nehemiah 9.20, God gave his good spirit to instruct them. I preach all over the world. Uh, crazy schedule. I found out some pastors are afraid of the Holy Ghost. What? Some pastors are afraid of the Holy Ghost. So I got on this quest. I'm going to find out why some pastors are afraid of the Holy Ghost. I found out. It may shock you. You know why some pastors are afraid of the Holy Ghost? I'll tell you. They're afraid of the Holy Ghost because they can't control him. They can quench him, vex him, grieve him, but they can't control him. Jesus said about Holy Ghost. See, a lot of people think Holy Ghost is between a parakeet and a pigeon. No, he's powerful. He's the power agent of God. We got to get a new, I know he's gentle. He's like a dove, but he's powerful. He's like the wind. Woo. Said the wind comes, you see it, you recognize it, 
You don't know where it came from. You're not sure where it went. That's what Jesus said. That's how the Holy Ghost is. Uncontrollable. Wow. Uh, we, my wife and I were out there. I think it was um, Cloudcroft, New Mexico. One time, and we, we were in a, a, a meeting. And it, a, a building like this, but it had the poles, uh, the, the supports in the building. And here comes the people for anointing, you know. Artesia, New Mexico. These people pack the room like this, and they're just everywhere. And I knew if we released the power of God, they'd fall over. And I, I was trying to figure out, now, I'd, I want to get them in an orderly way so nobody will fall over and hit one another and hurt one another. And so I'm over here trying to figure it out, saying to Carol, and all of a sudden, good Lord, whoosh, the Holy Ghost came in here and knocked people in a pile this high. There's arms and legs. There's, there's, I mean, he, it, it was a Holy Ghost dog pile if I've ever seen it. Knocked every one of them down in the room. The Holy Ghost said, don't you ever try to tell me how to do my business. Yeah, you remember that? Woo! That was, that, was, woo. That, that was a crazy service. We had some crazy, listen. No, anyway, I don't want to get where you're so mundane. You think, well, I've seen it all. We ain't seen nothing. We, listen, wow. I levitated while I was preaching in Argentina. What? I told Rick Joyner one day, I said, one day I'm going to be 12 or 14 feet off the ground, standing on nothing, prophesying to the people. It would happen then, but it just shocked me. I was down in the, a basketball arena in Argentina, and I'm preaching, and I'm preaching on the glory, and I had my thumbs on the pulpit like this, and all of a sudden, I was just preaching about uh, the glory of God, and I, I felt, have you ever been in an airplane and dropped real quick, and you're, you're weightless for a moment, you feel, it felt like that, only amplified, and I looked, and I was about this high off the ground. And it startled me and I grabbed the pulpit. But those Argentinas, they went crazy. Oh, Lord. They jumped up. They were several thousand of them in this basketball arena. They jumped up and started running forward, throwing backpacks, billfolds, everything on the platform, screaming, glory, adios. I, I, said, I, said to them, I said, I hope they know whose stuff this is. You know. But I'm telling you, don't ever get to where you think, well, I've seen it all. No, we have, you know, David Hogan's been here a lot, hadn't he? Y'all know David Hogan, mighty man of God. David Hogan, I was down there in uh, the tip of Mexico uh, going to do a ministry. And uh, that building packed out. You couldn't have put, uh, it was just packed to the hill. David and I are back there in a green room. That's a green room. It's not a green room. It's just where there's some coffee and cookies or celery and something else. You know, anyway. We're back there in the green room, and the Lord said, I have a word for you and David. Will you do it? I said, yes, God, I will do it. Uh, whatever you've got for us, I'll do it. He said, I want you to go over there and say to David, hey, David, me and you are not ministering tonight. Your little granddaughter is. I thought, man, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that have come because they think they're going to get ministry. God said, if you do it any other way, it ain't going to be me. So I walked over there to Hogan, and I said, hey, David. He said, yes. I said, God gave me a word. He said, what is it? I said, he told me to tell you that me and you are not ministering tonight. Your little granddaughter is. He says, wow, that's going to be something. The only one I have here is three years old. She's a little Indian girl. I said, that's her. Well, you'll have to ask Hogan about it. He put this little Indian girl on his arm. I'm just a little bitty arm baby. All the people are there. There's sick people. There's people that are blind. There's people with cancer. And he's got the little Indian girl on his arm. We're not saying nothing. And he's walking through the crowd, little Indian girls doing like this. Every human being she pointed at got healed. Every human being. 
Wow. See, you can't manipulate that. A three-year-old little arm baby that, you know, isn't that wild? So Hogan and I was ministering a few weeks later, and I said, the problem is you didn't bring your granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but isn't that something? I like that. I like that. I like the fact that God can do it any way he wants to. You know, all we got to do now is learn what he's going to do and join him. That's what Jesus did. I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. That's the kind of synchronization we need. What, I, what we do, we come up to plot and a plan and beg God to get in on it. Instead of, instead of spending time letting the Holy Ghost show us what the Father's plan is. Anyway, so we, we've got to, we got to, so Jesus says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, a truth giving spirit comes, he will guide you into the truth, the whole truth, the full truth. Do you believe we need to be told the full truth about the truth? Some people are preaching partial truths. Somebody better tell the full truth about the truth when people are ordaining, professing homosexuals to minister. The Bible teaches there's no such thing as a saved practicing homosexual. See, we better tell the whole truth about the truth. You say, now, Bobby, wait a minute. That's not, that's not politically correct. That's why we're so hobbled. We're so busy trying to please people and be politically correct. We better be more concerned about being biblically accurate. Don't you think? Because God's going to hold us that our teachers accountable. It says, don't many of you want to be teachers because you're going to go to a higher standard. Isn't that something? But now you've got to tell people out of love. You understand that? We need to love them enough to tell the truth. Well, now, brother, I don't get off anything like that. Well, get out of church. You know, I've, I've had people go, well, you know, I don't want any conflict. Did you read the book of Jude? You ought to do it. It shouldn't take long, just one page. <laughs> you know, The book of Jude. Did you read the book of Jude? I'd have, if I was Jude, I'd have never started Jude like Jude started Jude. Jude starts Jude with this. I am a bond slave, a love servant of Jesus. Now, I wouldn't have started mine like that. I'd have started mine sort of like this if I'd have been Jude. Hey, you better listen to me. I've got some connections. Now, how connected was Jude to Jesus? I'll just tell you how it was. Jude and Jesus came out of the same womb. What? Jude and Jesus had the same mama. Jude was a biological brother, half-brother of Jesus Christ. Wow, I'd have pulled that card, wouldn't you? I'd say, you better listen, man, I got some connections. That ain't how Jude did. He said, I'm a common bondservant of Jesus Christ. And then he said, I picked up my pen to write on you concerning the common salvation. The word common is Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6, 1. Laying not again the rudimentary elementary foundations of Christianity, he says, I picked up a pen I was going to write to you concerning the elementary rudimentary principles of Christianity. But if you're reading Jude in Greek, it says, I got possessed. How did he get possessed? He got possessed by the Spirit of God. He said, I was under compulsion and I had to write unto you. Why? He said, I had to write unto you that you would earnestly contend for the faith. The end time church is going to have to earnestly contend for the faith. Why? Certain men have crept in underwears teaching us it doesn't matter how you live. It's all covered. Woo. So that's, that's why we ought to study the book of Jude. Just to be quite honest, if what you have is not worth defending, it's not real Christianity. We've got to earnestly contend for the faith. Not for our own principles and not for what we, for the faith. When somebody says something opposite than the word of God, we have to say, no, I'm sorry, that's, that's, that's error. Wow. Wow. You said, no, Bobby, that's kind of divisive. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring 
peace, but a sword. Now remember, Jesus, it's kind of strange how things evolve. But when Jesus, we remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and in comes the soldiers and old Pete jerks out a sword and whacks off Emmaus his ear. He's after his throat, but he got his ear. There's his ear down there. Jesus said to Pete, put that up. That ain't how we're doing this. Then he picked up the ear, put it back on the guy. Remember that? And then you say, well, see, Jesus doesn't want us. No. And then at the end time, Jesus tells Peter, sell one of his jackets and get two swords. Isn't that something? We're going to have to be a little more militant. Now, those, those uh, things of darkness that's happening in our nation, they're very militant. They're very aggressive. And they're very vocal. And we're in our church. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. So no, we better blow the torch up and get out in the darkness. Don't you think? Yeah. I never have like people that wouldn't get involved. Well, you know, uh, I, no. You, we're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. God will bring you out one way or the other. I'll tell you what. Just, I can get into it just trying to behave. I'm in an airport somewhere. I'm there every week. I'm in the airport. And I sit down in the terminal and I laid my head back like this and go to sleep. When I go to sleep, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm asleep in the airport. And I don't know how long I'd slept there, 15 or 20 minutes or something. And I'm awakened by a witch. She spotted me and she's down on her all fours like a wolf growling. <laughs> now, number one, that ain't how I want to be woke up. I turned around, she's on her paws like as slobbering and a growling and I do like this. And it knocks her up in the air about from here to that speaker up there and she falls. And so some people come running up and they, they bring the guys in the cart. You know, the car, guys in the cart and then paddles. I said, that ain't going to have her. That's not what she needs. Isn't that something? But see, I, I wasn't trying to do nothing. I wasn't trying to have a deliverance service. I was trying to take a nap. <laughs> but see, the, God will push you out into circumstances. So what we got to do is don't be afraid to step in there. God will come with you. Joshua 1, 9 says, be bold, be brave, be very courageous. Go do what you're called to do because you're not going by yourself. He's with you. Aren't you glad? Well, now, you know, it's a struggle just for me to come to church. We're going to have to get a little tougher, don't you think? I love, uh, here's your verse about that. It says, it's time for the princes to all arise and all the shields. It says, they're reveling in, they've, they've laid their, gar their rugs down, they've set up their drinks. It, but the, the word to the princes are, oh, arise and all the shields. I'll show you the verse. Well, anyway, let's talk about some stuff. What time is it? Uh, that's a good thing to ask. What time is it? Oh, that's in the Bible. It's Romans 13, 11. That knowing the time. What a crucial hour this is. How that it is high time now for us to wake from our slumber, rouse to reality. That's Romans 13, 11. It's high time to wake out of slumber, rouse to reality. You believe the church needs a reality check? How you been doing? Doing good? Yeah, I like that hair. Good Lord. She behaving herself? Yeah, every now and then. Oh, that's good. That's Sorry. good. Yeah. What about him? Is he okay? Oh, yeah. I saw him around. Oh, just rough him up, you know. Just, uh, yeah. 
you know, if, if you're going to do marriage counseling, you need to know two things. You've got to tell the groom, he's got to learn two things. I do and yes, dear. You miss those, uh, Dr. Field couldn't even help you. Say it, I do. And what? Yes, dear. But you have to say it in a way that you sound like it's her idea. Yes, dear. See, now if you miss that, it, it'll, it'll be a bummer. Okay. Yeah. I don't practice what I preach very often, do I? That's what I told Bob Jones when he was going to be married. Oh, boy. I picked out his wife before he ever introduced me to her. Is this true? Crazy, craziest thing. There's a bunch of people milling around down there, and I knew Bob was going to get married, but I didn't know to who. So I slapped him on the shoulder, and I said, Hey, I hear you're getting married. And I go, What about the woman down there in that green blouse or jacket? He said, Well, that's her. Yeah. Guess what happened? He brought her up there. We was up on the second deck there in a Morningstar thing. And so he brought her up there. And the first thing she said out of her mouth to me was, look me over and see what you see. I want Bob's friends to be happy with me too. Now that's submission, isn't it? Instead of saying, get it back on the new girl on the block. No, but she had a humble spirit. She prolonged Bob Jones's life. And this, well, let's get into here. We're talking about what Jesus said about Holy Ghost. Okay. Here's, a, here's another one, John 14, 26, still the red part of the Bible. But when he, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby. Hey, this, I could be with Jonathan Rapid. Oh, when he, I said he. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I was about to move into my T.D. Jakes sound. I like anybody that sweats more than me, don't you? Have y'all seen T.D. Jakes? Woo! Good Lord. But anyway. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> I'm going to read this. Here we go. <laughs> but the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall and remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. Now that's what you've got to do. You've got to go, Holy Ghost, be my teacher and then be the one that will bring back up what you've taught me. Now, if there's anything in the world you need to memorize, it's the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Joshua 1.8 says that the words of this law shall not depart from your eyes. You shall meditate upon them day and night. It'll guarantee you overwhelming success. How do you memorize something? I'll tell you how you memorize something. I'll show you how easy it is to memorize something. You ready? Now, you'll have to help me. These younger guys, they won't know, the, know this, but you can help me. I'll show you how easy it is to memorize something. Now, follow me. You ready? You deserve a break today at McDonald's. Yeah! That is a 17-year-old, 23-second jingle. And how in the world did you memorize it? Not one single second did you go, my God, I have got to memorize that. But you had memorized it, hadn't you? It was down in you. You, you quoted the words back. How did it happen? Repetition. It came through two gates, eye gate and ear gate. If that can happen with a fast food jingle. What about the eternal word of God? Amen. We have got to drink in the word of God. Thy word was found and I did eat it. And it was a rejoicing of my heart. 
Now, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We've got to get into the Word of God. The Holy Ghost has got to get into this. Look there. He, he gives us, he says, he's our comforter. Boy, that's so good. He's our counselor. Wow. You might be in this room or watching by some mechanism. And you might say, well, I'll tell you, brother, I, I, I always know what I'm going to do. Well, you and I need to talk. You are an idiot. <laughs> Look up idiot means incapable of making a conscious decision. If you think you won't get in a predicament that's above your pay grade, you don't know anything about life. I'll just be dead honest with you and promise you this. God himself will see that he gets you in a dilemma above what you're able to handle. What? Yep. Now, I've read the Bible. You should too. Here it is. Psalms 107. Psalms 107 verse 23. These men that do business in great waters, they see the works of the Lord. Because he raises up the stormy winds. The stormy winds lifts up the, the waves. The little boat is as high as the heavens. It drops down as low as the depths. And it said these seasoned sailors, these men that do business in great waters, they stagger to and fro. They are like drunken men. And here's a little phrase. They are at their wit's end. What does it mean? They've expelled, expended, expired all of their expertise. And the storm's still howling. Next verse is paramount. Then, T-H-E-N, then they cried unto the Lord in their distress. And God hears them. Brings a calm and gets them into the port safely. Oh, that man would praise God for his goodness. Your whole key to that is who started that storm? God raised up the stormy winds. To hurt the boys? No! To show them their desperate need of his wisdom. See, he'll get you in a place. You go, oh man. All of my training, I still, no. Now, let me throw another word out there. It said, they cried unto the Lord. We don't know what that word means. Here it is. We say, we, we're weeping. No, I looked up the Hebrew word for cried. They cried unto the Lord. Oh, it's not. It's they screamed and screeched in anguish and agony. That's what it means. They screamed and screeched in anguish and agony. Wow. You know, oh, now lay me down to sleep. I pray to learn the song to keep. We better learn how to cry to the Lord. They cried unto the Lord. Look how many times it's used in the Bible. They cried unto the Lord. We got to get serious about prayer. Now, a lot of people, I don't like it either. When you call them to pray, they change their sound of their voice and they move into King James. Thou saith thou to me. Listen, you run down there at Chick-fil-A and try to order something. I says to thee, thou talk like you talk. You're okay? Talk like you talk to God. A lot of people go, well, I don't know how to pray. They're simply saying, I don't know biblical verbiage. You don't need that. Yeah. You know, when Pete was walking on the water, remember that? Jesus came walking on the water and scared him, thought it was some kind of a ghost or something. And Jesus said, no, it's me. Well, if it's really you, tell me. And, Jesus, and Peter jumped out of the boat, remember that? And he's walking on the water. Isn't that wonderful? And somehow he goes, whoops. Anyway, starts to sink. Now, if he'd have got into some of this modern day praying, 
Dearest God, I perceive that I have entered into a time that gravity has overrode my ability to believe. No, he screamed, help! You understand you don't have to get into some kind of a pre-planned program. Just be real. Yeah. It's hard to get real being real. You know what I mean? The greatest deliverance that can ever happen is just be you yielded to God. I don't like people that are like chameleon lizards. Y'all have a chameleon lizard? They can get on a brown limb and they turn brown. They get on a green limb, they can turn green. Just be yourself. Just be true to you. I told my wife a long time ago, I said, I can't help what people think and say about me. I have to look at myself every morning in the mirror and I want to be true to myself and say, I've done this the best way I know how. Is this true? I was given a magazine report once to a, a, a secular kind of magazine. It was a cheesy kind of deal. And this, this lady, she says, uh, okay, tell me, what are you really in this for? Why do you travel all over the world? Why do you expend your energies like this? What do you really want? What are you really after? It was a little setup question. So I was going to give her a little brush off. The Lord said, don't. I want you to answer and tell her the whole truth. I said, ma'am, I'll tell you. The answer to your question is this. I want to so live my life that when my life is over and I step out and I stand before God, I can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the guiding goal of my life. I don't want my family to have to hang their head in shame and say that was how my old man lived. I want to be able to stand before God and hear him say, well done. That ought to be your guide. I want to please him in what we say and do. Now, I'd like to say it's always been that way, but listen, if you'll do what he asks you to do, that's pleasing. This is my beloved son in whom I'm what? Well pleased. That ought to be the accolade, that, that ought to be the accolade we're looking for. Don't you think? I told him if I'm guilty of half of what I've been accused, I should be shot. See, you do what we do. Anybody can say anything they want to about you. There's 23,800 videos of me on YouTube. 23,800. I've never put a single one there myself. I put a little thing called Bobby's Briefings. I was going to call it Bobby's Briefs, and my wife said, no, that don't sound. She said, let's alter that somehow. Oh, man. These women. So I changed it to Bobby's Briefings, you know. Yeah. Rick's got one called Rick's Rants. You know? Oh, man. That, uh, Rick, for years, he kept saying, are you on Facebook? I said, no, I don't know how to do that. He said, are you on Facebook? Uh, Lance Wall. I, you know, I said, no, I don't know how to do that. We was down there at a Morningstar thing, and Rick said, you're on where the service is going on. I said, no, I don't know how to do it. He said, let's do one now. He pumps up his phone and introduced me as a homeless person. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, it is crazy. The, the, the fan, the, the people that the little bitty bleeps reach, it's crazy, but you can sow those seed in, and it's, that's the way. That's how you're going to win these millennials. That very seldom they're going to come and listen to 45 minute yak. You know what I mean? They want a, about a two minute zap. And anyway, we've got to learn how to do that, haven't we? So what do you do? Let's talk about it. What do I? Do? Yes, take a guess. You'll get it right. I'm, I'm semi-retired, but I teach in my semi-retired. What What do you teach? English, as a second language. 
Oh, man, I took, I took Outer One two times a day for four years. <laughs> Honestly, God, I took Outer One two times a day for four years. I couldn't work a problem, so you're going to shoot me in the head. I figure as long as Walmart's got calculators, why worry? <laughs> Outer never made sense to me. It starts off lame. Yeah. Pi R square, that's already wicked. <laughs> Pi ain't square, is it? <laughs> Cornbread square, but anyway. So you teach English? I went to London and had to have an interpreter. I heard that last time. Yeah, that's the honest to God truth. I started t- talking and they interrupted me. They, they said, what language are you speaking? I said, English, and it offended them. But let me ask you this. How offended could they get? They're the guys that go, and stick it up their sleeve. You know? Listen, a redneck guy's got more etiquette than that. They'll stick it in their pocket. Well, anyway. I am, uh, anyway. I, you know, I, I go in all these foreign countries, and you know, they always say to you, they, they, they'll say something like this, don't dishonor the guest. Listen, the host, it's very, so I'm off somewhere in some foreign country, and it's, they're throwing a banquet for me, and I, I, I'm told, now don't, when, when they do this, accept it and be gracious. Da, da, da. So we're having this nice banquet, and it's dark in there, there's candles burning, and uh, there's... <coughs> Big wig people in there. So they, they're going, well, now we're going to give the, the food to the, the honoree or whatever we call them. Anyway, they bring in this tray and they set it down there. And it's dark. You can't see. And I saw what looked like ice crystals around it. And I thought, maybe it's uh, oysters. You know, down there in the coast, they'll put oysters and put ice around it. And then I got to look and I saw two ears. It's monkey head. Yes. They've got a monkey head there. They ball the monkey head and you, they've decraned it. You, and then, and all, uh, listen, there's this, be careful. Don't refuse because you're going to dishonor the host. I go, I'm going to dishonor him one way or the other. I had something warm and hot getting up my throat. I thought, I'm fixing to dishonor this guy one way or another, and I'm asking for help. Thank God! Here's what happened. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, give honor to whom honors you. And so here they are. There's cameras. There's everything and focusing on me and the monkey head. I've already said to God, I ain't, I ain't eating chip and dip out of no monkey's head. And so here's what happened. I looked at the host. He's there, and he's just gracious. And I said, I changed my voice. I said, sir, the holy word of God declares, give honor to whom honor is due. And I would be so honored if you would take this. People started screaming, jumping. And I thought, glory to God. I thought they was going to give me the key to the city. You know what I mean? See, knowing a little verse will help you. Uh, you'll be sunken, sucking on monkey head if you don't get some Bible in you. Yeah. Well, anyway. Good gracious. Uh, down, I was over in Germany once, and I tried to meet, read the, the menu. Have you noticed how different people talk? Yeah. 
Here we are, Germany, they can be saying, you're such a fine young man. And it sounds like they're cussing. And then over there in uh, France. France, it can sound like they're ordering dessert. And they're saying, you stink like a pig. But anyway, so I'm in Germany and I, I couldn't read the menu. So I thought I'll outsmart him. I'll look and see plates going by and I'll say, I'll have that. So here comes the waiter. He's carrying a plate like this. And there's a piece of meat in there big as a football, look like. And steam's coming out of it. So I said to the Fraulein, I'll have that. And so, oh, they brought it. It was pig knuckle. No meat on it at all, just a... I thought, no, I ain't having that. So I got, I could finally say Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, you can tell I've, you know, been, been out of the country, don't stop me, you know. <laughs> no. Anything else? Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here, but I, I just want to talk to you about developing deeper discernment. What you've got to do is understand clearly you can hear the voice of God. John 10, 27. Listen, listen to this, and I'll, I'll close. John 10, 27 says, my sheep, this is Jesus, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I want to show you four things out of that one little passage. My sheep hear my voice and they know me and follow me. All right, number one, say this with me, relationship. relationship. Where does it come from? My sheep. You need to start saying, I am under the shepherd's care. I am one of his chosen sheep. So relationship. The next thing is reception. Hear my voice. Now, did you know there's, there's, there's probably two or 3,000 uh, radio waves in this room right now? You don't hear them because you don't have a receiver on. See, God, it says, day and night, the heavens utter his voice. But if you don't have a receiver... I could go down to Walmart and buy a little bitty radio uh, with a battery in it and come in here and we'd find all kinds of channels, wouldn't we? And see, God is constantly speaking, but we don't have a receiver on. So we've got to have reception. Say reception. We've got relationship, my sheep. We've got uh, reception, hear my voice, and we've got recognition. And I know them. Aren't you glad he knows us? We need to be so close that we can know him when he speaks. Yes, Lord. Uh, if you want to see two examples of it. The call of Saul of Tarsus, remember on the road, he gets knocked down. And the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why is it for, that you're persecuting me? And he goes, who are you, Lord? Remember that? And then when he, God was calling the man Ananias that's going to anoint Saul, uh, Paul of Tarsus. Who, here's what he says. The Lord says, Ananias. First time his name is ever used in the Bible, Ananias. And here's what he says, yes, Lord. Do you see the difference between the call? Paul, it scared him. Who are you? And then the Lord says to Ananias, Ananias. And he says, yes, Lord. See, that's the people God will use, hidden away people that have ears to hear what he has to say. This is the most anointed apostle that's ever lived, the apostle Paul. Started most New Testament churches, wrote the biggest part of the New Testament. And God calls an unknown disciple who had spent time with him. Aren't you glad he didn't go, oh, Lord. He said, yes, Lord. Wow, you and I should have our hearts and our spirits set like that. And at the faintest whisper of God's voice, we'll go, yes, Lord. Now, here's, here's what they asked me. It's been asked three or four times in this, these, these services this weekend. What can you tell us that, uh, why does God trust you with visitations and these things? 
What, what's your secret to it? You want to know? Here it is. Swift and complete obedience. Do as quickly as you can, as thoroughly as you can, anything and everything he tells you to do. If, if we don't do that, he won't tell us anything else. Because rebellion, not doing what we're told to do, is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. Wow. So what you need to do is get such a heart in you that you know that anything he asks you to do is to advance his kingdom and is not going to hurt you but help you. Yeah. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11? I know my thoughts I think towards you. He thinks good things about us and he wants good things to happen for us. And see, we go, well, there's a way that seems right, but the way that's what? Death. So we've got to junk that, hadn't we? And we've got to go, God, I don't understand all this, but I understand you love me. Your plans and plots for me are better than I can make for myself. Wow. And just jump off into it. Don't try to figure it out. I told you I've been preaching, what, 49 years, five times a week for 49 years. And I figured out if you can figure it out, it's not God. The natural mind receives not the things of the spirit. The natural ones are ones we've got set between our ears. You can't comprehend it. You have to understand the things of the spirit from the spirit. Yeah, and your spirit, he, he put a new spirit in you when you got, that's what it says. He put a new spirit in us when we got saved. Look, you want to see that one? Yes, I do, Bobby. It's, it's in here. Okay. Yeah, it says, I'll take out the stony heart and I'll put a soft, teachable heart. A heart that can respond to my wooing and my ways. There, there's a great verse in the Bible. It says this, talking about a wayward church that's drifted far from God. It says, I will... Allure her out to the wilderness, and there I'll win her back with words of love. Amen. You believe the church needs to be wooed to the wilderness? You and I run from the wilderness, but God wants to woo us into the wilderness. What is that talking about? It means we've got to stop all the garble. We're a, we're a culture and a community that can't stand silence. We get in the car, we're going to turn something on. We're going to pop something on. Da, da, da. Yeah, good. Lord, they got headless. <laughs> you can ram it in your ear. You, you know, it, you've seen all that. What do you call it? Wireless headphones. But we, we hate to get still. We come in, turn the TV on. What you watching? I don't know. Well, listen, if we spent some of that time just sitting before the Lord, I suggest we ought to take a dose of, of Psalms. 46, 10, and 11. Be still and know that I am God. Just get still. Now, that doesn't mean motionless. It means your spirit. We need to spend time getting into the Word. You heard our sister talk about, you can even listen to it. Billy Graham used to talk about that, listening to the Scripture. It can get in you. It's coming through your ear gate. Now, I like to listen to it sometimes because they can pronounce the words. <laughs> Medfebosheth. Yeah. We go, my baby, if you should be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't name them Bill or Jack, Judy, and, and Texas, it'd be Bubba. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Bubba went over yonder. You know. <laughs> yeah. Somebody ought to do a redneck version, you know. There's a uh, Brian Simmons, he's got the passion translation, which is wonderful. We ought to do a redneck one, you know. That, me and Bob Jones could have finished that one up, couldn't we? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I've been with Bob, and Bob would 
give somebody a word. And he, I mean, listen, it would be deep and thick. And his last statement to him is, you got it, didn't you? And they go, yeah. They don't even know the way to the door, you know. But anyway, what you got to do sometimes, if somebody gives you a word, just say, would you, would you explain this to me? And do the best you can. And then if they don't do it, ask the Holy Ghost to show you. Some people, uh, they get words and uh, it's not really God. If it's really from God, your spirit will go, yes. And boy, ask the Holy Ghost to interpret the word. Yeah. And sometimes you'll get a word and it'll, it'll be, uh, take a long time to be fulfilled. I was reading the book of Revelation. It says, behold, I come quickly. 1,000, 2,000. His quickly and mine is a little bit off. Don't you think? But he is coming, isn't he? This same Jesus which is taken up from you shall come again in like manner. He went away bodily. He's coming bodily. Here's the deal. A lot of people go, oh, I'm sitting on the corner waiting on the rapture. Where's my rapture? Now listen, I'm all for a rapture, but he's coming to us before he comes for us. Here's what your Bible says. It does not yet appear what we shall be like, but we know this, that when he shall appear, we shall be precisely like him. That's here, not there. We won't need to look like him there. We need to look like him and act like him here. He's coming for us, but he's coming to us first. You say, do you know when he's coming? Yep. But we ought to live it like it could happen any moment. But I do know he's coming to us. He's going to find him a generation he can transform into his image. Wow. Did you know when they named us Christians, that they were, it's a word for miniature Christ? That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to grow up from that miniature to, Wow. Well, that's how I saw Ebola coming to America once, coming to the world. I got caught up in a trench, and I was in a jungle, and I saw steam coming up out of the jungle, and I saw little bitty things, smaller than ants, coming up with uh, spears in each hand, and there's billions of them, and they're marching towards me like this, and they jerk their spear back like that, and when the spear touched one behind them, they multiplied even more. I said, Lord, what is that? He said, it's a disease coming called Ebola. Remember that? But it started out little and it was, uh, so anyway, uh, you and I, we started out kind of little, didn't we? I've got news for you. Everything about the kingdom grows. It's like a mustard seed. Starts out the tiniest seed and gets big enough for birds to live in. Everything about the kingdom increases, doesn't decrease. So if the church was really birthed on, on Pentecost, we need to see some full grown mature men, don't you think? I think the church is probably the only organization I know that does not get shocked at abnormal growth. You know, you have a little baby, they're cute. How much, does ours weighed what? Yours weighed what? Seven and a half pounds? Gee, about that long, about that big around. Now, we carried him back there and put him in, she put him in the bassinet. Now, if we go back there, say 17 years and he's still there, there's something wrong. But the church, you know, people walk the aisle, give the heart to Jesus, get baptized, and they, they still stay immature. And the church goes, uh-huh. No, we already expect some maturity. We ought to grow up into a full statue. That's what Paul says. Anyway, thank you for coming. Now, I'm going to pray for you here in a moment. Yeah. I'll tell you what he wants to do.
He wants to make everything clear to you. You're saying, I know God's talking to me. I'm not sure what he's saying. And I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to turn it from a rainbow to a laser. A laser light, okay? So the revelation, instead of being just kind of a big old wide thing, is going to get concentrated down like a laser. So, you know, you can, have you ever noticed some of these teachers that will use a laser light? That's what he's going to do. He's going to shine the laser light on the pathway he wants you to have, okay? That'll be good. It says, those that said in the shadows of darkness have seen a great light. I like a laser, don't you? Yeah, they, they'll go further than you think, but he's going to turn those things into like a laser. That'll be good. You say, well, you know. Nope, we need it. We need precision. Say precision. This, this thing that just kind of haphazard won't work. We've got to have a plan. Ephesians 4. The, uh, Ephesians says we're to walk with goal, aim, and true purpose, not meander around. We've got to have a goal, haven't we? Yes, well, the kids are out. Mom and dads have got to get uh, to the grocery store. <laughs> anyway, let me pray for you, okay? Lord, you want us to grow up. You don't want us to lay again the elementary, rudimentary principles of Christianity. You want us to go into stronger meat. Lord, I pray you'll help us to get so hungry for you, so desperate for you. We'll shut off some of the chaos and the clamor of this world, and we'll get alone with you. We'll get in the secret closet of prayer. We'll do Matthew 6, 6. We'll shut the door. We'll spend time with you. We'll go into the secret place of the Most High. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you're wooing us into the wilderness where you can talk to us and get us more like you. So we say, yes, Lord. You lead, we'll follow. We don't want to stumble around in dark. We want to leap in the light. We don't want to walk like this world. We want to walk to another cadence. We want to be conformed to your image, not the image of this world. We're different. We're not of this world. And Lord, I'm asking you to make us represent the kingdom of God in a more concise manner. People will look at us and say, there goes a Christ-like one. Lord, that's what we want. We want people to see you when they look at us. So extract from us, erase off of us, anything and everything that does not add to that. Anything that distracts from you, remove it from us, God. And help us to be more like you. We want to shine bright in a crooked, corrupt world. I thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Well, now if you're going to get at your perception and get a deeper uh, perception about uh, who you are. I would study Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 8. And it says, because you have a zealous burning love for the Holy Spirit, you are going to have a deeper, fuller, clearer insights and understanding of the Word of God. You ought to, it, it's pretty amazing. So get in love with the Holy Ghost. And God told me, said, people that are zealously in love with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to answer the prayer Paul prayed there in Colossians 1, 8 through 13. Wow that you'll be filled with the full, clear, deep knowledge of his will. How many of you want that? Filled with the full, clear, deep knowledge of the will of God. So study Colossians 1, okay? I will, Bobby. Now don't lie to me. Colossians 1, 8 through 13, okay? All right? It'll revolutionize who you are. Fuller, deeper, clear insights. Wow, I want that, don't you? If you'll get in the Word of God, just meditate on it. The devil has stolen meditation from the church. The Lord told me one time, Bobby, I want you to regain the Christian's vocabulary. I said, God, I'm not sure what you said. 
He said, Bobby, I want you to regain the Christian's vocabulary. I said, I understood that, but I don't know what it means. And here's what he said. I want you to teach on meditation. I said, no. He said, see how bad the church needs to recapture their vocabulary? Anything the devil steals from us is something that's beneficial for us. Every cult in the world meditates. The church don't spend time meditating. I was stunned. I do a whole school on meditating. There are hundreds of verses that tell us to meditate. There's Greek word, Hebrew words about meditate. One is called muse, M-U-S-E. And it's like a cow eating a cud. Isn't that something? Now, I'm from Texas. I've watched cows. They get out early in the morning while it's not hot, and they just gobble it in. Then around noon when the sun's up in the heat, they get under a tree and regurgitate. They bring up what they put in, and they chew it and ruminate. They, they get all the good out of it. That's what you and I to do. In those still quiet moments, pack it in, and then get time to pull it back up. Okay? Meditate. Yeah. The words of this book shall not depart from your eyes. You shall what? Meditate upon them day and night. Yeah. Okay. See, these are steps to get out of darkness into light. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much. Remember now, the next school we do is going to be on the seven spirits of God. I'd suggest that's leaving milk and getting to meat. You can't get deeper than a concept of the seven spirits of God. You, they're all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament. And I'm telling you guys, you get around the throne of God, you'll find seven spirits, seven lamps burning, seven eyes looking. We need to understand the burning lamp and the seeing eyes. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that. Pastor's going to find a time when we can have the school and we'll work that over. That'll be fun. Thank you, Lord.